Haunted Hangover presents Haunted Hall. Welcome to another edition of Haunted Hall. I'm Louie. I'm Manny. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the 2001 film, Session 9. Now, before we jump into the actual movie, it's funny. We, last, uh, last time we recorded, we were talking about what, what movie we're going to cover next in the podcast. And I couldn't find my copy of Session 9 because obviously the rule of our podcast is we have to watch it on physical media. You have the lovely Blu-ray copy, which we'll get into later. Uh, that came out, what was it, like a year or two ago? Uh, twenty uh, December 2021, I think it was. So, yeah, not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, and I have a 2001, I believe, <laughs> DVD copy of mm-hmm. the movie, but I couldn't find it. So we were we were kind of we were on Zoom, but we weren't recording the podcast. And <laughs> I was like, where the fuck is this thing? I'm in the back looking at like through my like DVD Blu-ray rack. And I was like, where the hell is this? And I forgot that I, I not really I wouldn't cons- call it a purge because purge is when you're getting rid of everything. I wasn't really mm. getting rid of it, but I was kind of consolidating things. And fixing things. And I completely forgot, and this this goes back to physical media, that I have a binder of DVDs that I think I just got like fed up with having so much shit lying around at one point that I just completely threw away all the plastic covers, kept the slip covers and the DVD and just put them in this giant like 250, 300 like, like disc binder. And I looked through my closet, like one of the closets in my apartment, and I get, where the fuck is this movie? And I was like, oh shit, I have an entire binder. Of, I just, and I forgot. You forget about shit you own. I was like, ah, there's, that's where Session Nine was, and it was just a bunch of bootleg disc, random movie stuff. I have doubles of, like weird. I was like, why? Like I completely forgot about this binder and then you think about it you know with streaming now if you want to watch certain movies you don't have to go through your collection you don't have to go through a binder so like there is literally no reason for me to go to this binder unless there's a movie i really need to watch that's not streaming anywhere so i just thought it was really funny i was like what the fuck and you were saying you were saying off off air that you have a binder too yeah i have a i have a bigger binder it's um it holds two movies on each page. Uh, you know, you usually get four discs. Yeah. You get one, that's two, three, mine four. Yeah. Mine is two. And then on the side is a vertical. So I can actually take the, I could take the slip out of the plastic mm. case and save it. So I mm. have the movies and the covers without the actual plastic case. Well, that's how mine is. That's that's mine. I think some of mine though I no, threw away. No, like I can like I can take this out and keep that inside like it, it without folding it or anything. Just like that, I fold it just like that. Oh wow! And it nah. sits in. It's yeah. It's meant so I can keep the actual covers. Yeah, what inspired me to do that? And I can just throw the that. plastic case out. Yeah, that's what that's what I did. I got rid of the plastic case. I just didn't want it. I had so much shit, and I was yeah. like, I don't like. Do I really need to hold on to like the the entire packaging? Yeah, for a for movie, some movies, yeah. yeah. Especially when you rebuy the movie, mm-hmm. like when you really think about it, if you rebuy, you want the special edition of a specific movie you love, and you have like this bare bone 
DVD. You can either just throw away the DVD completely, yeah. or if you're a hoarder, like me apparently, and I just keep it in a binder yeah, in my dude. closet, and for, dude, and forget about it. I couldn't, yo, dude, I could not find Session 9 at all, and then, and then I was like, well, oh shit, I have this fucking binder, that's well, why. Well, think about it, when was the last time you watched it? Like, put before this, when was the last time you put that DVD on? It's been a while. Yeah. I think the last time I watched Session 9 was a few years ago, and it was on some streaming platform. It was I forget which one. I, I, I don't think it was Netflix. I forget who it was. Yeah. I think I just randomly put it. might have been Pluto TV. TV Probably. Uh, but it was a few years ago. I, I actually had watched it in the last, I'd say, five years. Um, and, and, to, and that's a good segue because I always feel, before we get into the actual movie, that this is a movie that people forget about. Oh, like yeah. people forget oh, yeah. forget oh, yeah. about this movie 100%. all the time, and I sometimes I think I try to think why it's so easily forgettable because spoiler alert we both enjoy this movie thoroughly. Oh, love it! <laughs> yeah, we and used you, to watch this so much, man. It's yeah, it, oh. it, it it's just weird because whenever you think of, and I wouldn't call this a hot like a haunted house movie because it's not a house; it's a hospital. Mm. But a haunted location movie. But is but is it haunted? It, we'll get into we'll that get later. Into that, yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get into that later. But when you think of it in a traditional sense, yes, yeah, a haunted place movie. Mm-hmm. You it know, has those uh, 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 characteristics of a haunted yes. of a haunted house movie. Yes, and because it, it's pretty, most people when you mention Session Nine, I think, wow, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. But they forget it exists. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because it came out in 2001, right before 9-11, which mm-hmm. is what what I th- I think that's why. I feel like anything that happened in August of that year, like anything that came out right before 9-11 is just forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It's like that was such a traumatic experience. And this literally came out a month before 9-11. Uh, well, there's a little bit to not... I mean, maybe that's possible, but there is a little. We'll, we'll probably get into that, but I mean, unless you no. want to get into that now. No, not um, yet, not yet, okay. not yet. I think I think we should save that for when we when we go into the no. actual film. But that's always just been a thing. I always feel like it's forgotten about. I, mm. Anytime I mention this movie, people are either like, "I've never seen it," yeah, never heard or, of it, or "Shit, I forgot that movie exists." So yeah. I'm glad that you. Wanted to cover it on the show. It gave me a reason to revisit it. Funny too. I was sitting here with the wife when I was watching it because I mm-hmm. watched it twice I, the first time and I put it on and she's like, why does this movie look so familiar? And it's because <laughs> she saw it like 15 years ago and forgot yeah. about it. She was like, oh, this movie looks so familiar. Wow, it's a really good movie. Like she realized like, oh, it, this is a really well-made film. Yeah. And then she's like, but I feel like I've seen it, but don't remember. She was just, and she walked in about, she walked in about 10 minutes into the movie. So it's like she missed the very beginning. Yeah. But she caught on quick and she's like, wow, that was a really good, good movie. And she just completely forgot existed. So that's just, that's kind of what I feel follow. That's kind of session nine's like legacy. The forgotten, forgotten. haunted, forgotten. The forgotten, the forgotten, the, yeah. The legacy is that it always gets forgotten. That's basically yeah. what it is. But yes. It's a hell of a legacy. <laughs> hell of a legacy. The forgotten haunted place movie it's, about guys with that remove asbestos. <laughs> uh, listening to some of the things, actually, it's something that the producer, the director, they've all they all say the same thing. That this is it's one of those movies that ends up on one of those top 
10 or top 25 best horror films you've never seen. The director, yeah. Brad Anderson, says it's, he's always like, especially that year, he said that year and like the year, couple years afterwards, like every single year, they were on the top 10 horror films you've never seen. And he's like, how can we just get on the top 10 horror films? list?" <laughs> he's like, you don't you don't want that qualifier of movie of that you've never seen. Can we just cut that off? And <laughs> that's like that's like the list. You Like you're happy you're on it. But yeah, then you're also but like, damn, <laughs> no one's watching my shit. What exactly. the fuck? So the loonies are outside in the real world, and here we are with the keys to the loony bin, boys. <laughs> you might actually want to be grateful, and you're about to make some decent money. What's the catch? Patricia Willard scandal, 1984. <laughs> I want you to try to remember what happened 24 years ago. Use your imagination. The shrinks figured that with these new techniques they designed, they could release hidden memories. You okay? I want to go home. I wouldn't tell anybody about this. If they find out about Hank, they're going to find out about the others. Quit of the others. Uh, okay, so session nine is about a uh, um, they're they're a hazmat. Um, demolition team not really demolition not demolition in the form of tearing down a building but they go into abandoned and and dilapidated buildings and they clean it basically they clean out asbestos is one of their is the one of their main things uh so they're in, they're an asbestos cleanup team they are hired uh to clean out the danvers mental institution which is a real hospital in massachusetts in danvers massachusetts um the the place is shut down and i'm assuming that it's been sold or whatever or whatever and they're and now they're cleaning it out so this team is being brought in to clean out the asbestos um and just put simply weird things happen in yes. different but this it, it's this it's so strange to explain this movie because it's not like weird things happen but weird things happen the main thing is uh one of the members mike who i just learned is actually the co-writer of the movie too the actor who plays mike. i learned that too i, I did, did not, not know that, that. yeah no. i didn't know that either i was like oh shit so he acted and wrote the screenplay interesting yeah. Yeah, uh, he is a former lawyer, or at least he was in law school at one point, and um, he start he gets interested in some of the files and tapes, and he finds a group of of reel to reels down in the basement of it, uh, and they are sessions with one specific patient. As he's going through, he finds them all, and uh, there's nine sessions. So. Through the course of the film, he listens to each tape consecutively, uh, following this one patient's uh, um, therapy sessions over, you know, over nine sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, the that woman, she was a teenage girl who killed her family and now has a uh, three split personalities, or rather four if you count her. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they are the princess, which is a little girl. Uh, Billy, who is a little boy, and Simon, who we don't meet until later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're basically protecting the girl's psyche from the trauma of what she did. Uh, and Mike gets heavily involved in it. And one of the – and now Gordon, who runs – who's the leader of the team, 
he's having some sort of, you know, difficulties at home. His wife threw him out or something, some sort. So you see him from time to time, you know, talking to her on the phone, pleading this. I want to come home. I want to see my baby, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then we have uh, this is why it's kind of as I say, it's kind of difficult to explain because everyone kind of has their own thing. Yeah, because, you know, in, in, in reality, there's one character I'd say that's kind of throwaway. And mm. I'm not trying to be negative on the movie mm-hmm. yet or anything. I don't like a thing. I don't like things. I don't like about it. But yeah, Gordon is deaf. He's the driving force. Yes. He's the he is the lead of this yes. film. Everyone else main, is sort yeah. of he's there. Everyone else is sort of supporting. Mm-hmm. It is an ensemble between him and Phil David mm-hmm. Caruso, which I yep. always get a kick out of. Um, but Gordon really kind of drives the story. Yeah. You're you're mo- you're following him. Mostly, yeah. I'd say seventy five. I would yeah. say him and Mike because him, of the yeah. the sessions. It's the of, two of them. The sessions, yeah. But their yeah. their stories are so separate. You could. Yes. That's that's the thing. It's like you're the, they're the two uh, uh, stories that are happening at the same time, but they don't actually intersect. But then they do. They they kind of work off of each other. Yes. that's basically what it is. Yeah. Like Gordon doesn't know what what Mike's doing. Mm-hmm. And, and Mike Gordon's, doesn't know yeah, what's going on with Gordon. Exactly. So Go- he finds out eventually what's mm-hmm. what's going on, or what Gordon, or what Phil mm-hmm. thinks is going on yeah. with Gordon. That's really the plot. That's what yeah. the movie's about. It's about Gordon, this guy that this guy that owns this company, down on his luck, started a family, has a newborn baby. He's trying to keep it together because early on in the film, and and I and I will say this because uh, it's Peter Mullen plays Gordon, mm-hmm. and early in the movie. When you first meet Gordon, Phil steps away. And this kind of is, again, just the main driving force behind what's happening in the film. Gordon's pleading with the guy, like, I really need this job. Yes, like, this that's... is it. They hone it in so well that mm-hmm. that's all you really need to know about yeah. the plot. And the rest of it's a mystery and how this is going to kind of unravel and how this descent into madness. Yeah. Kind of he, happens day to day because the film takes place over. Them. He kind yeah, of screws them over because he he agrees that they'll clean the whole place out in two weeks. He'll get all the asbestos of this no, huge one week. asylum. One week. one week, one week. It's yeah. two week. It's two weeks normally, week. but he yeah. tells them because he really wants this job. They'll get a bonus if they do it in one in one week. Yes. and it goes back to just how desperate he is for mm-hmm. this money. And yes. they're each going to get ten grand each member of this group because there are uh, five of them, five mm-hmm. men. It's it's Phil, Gordon, then you've got Mike that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Hank, Hank, and Jeff, who is mm-hmm. Gordon's uh, Gordon's nephew. Nephew, yes. yes. So he's got kind of and. and and the, that's one of the, the, the movie's strongest kind of attributes is just these guys feel like blue collar dudes that are just yeah. trying to make money and trying to just get by mm-hmm. enough with their yeah. jobs. Like they're, they're basically working job to job like a contractor would a mm-hmm. construction guy or a, a, pl- a plumber thing, you know, that, that type yeah. of gig where it's not a, it, it can, it's not a steady paycheck. You have to get these contracts to keep it Constantly going. And, work. Yeah. And that's where you feel Gordon's desperation of wanting to get this. The rest of the guys kind of are just there and fills well, his is is man B, I'd say. He's like, yes, you know, exactly. he, he's he's manipulating things because he wants to get things his way and doesn't trust the guys. He thinks mm-hmm. Gordon's kind of having issues. And on top of all that, like you said, 
You've got Mike, who's you know discovering this evil mm-hmm. shit with this patient in this in this hospital, and then Gordon kind of every day as we go through because I believe the film takes place from Monday to Friday. Yes, yeah, ends like on Friday, and little by little, Gordon is starting to lose it, and there's creepy shit happening in mm-hmm. the, uh, creepy again because it's all it's all an interpretation when you watch the movie. Hello. Cody, it's me, man. Come on. Every single character has their own motivation, and they all do what they do for different reasons. Like you say, Gordon is out. He he wants he wants this job. He needs the money. Uh, Phil is his partner, and he's trying to run the company with him. And you know, he's just he's watching Gordon slowly. Phil lose is it. definitely corrupt. It's David Caruso for I don't God's know if sake. He's, see, I don't I don't know if he's corrupt. There's sort of an underlying kind of there's dark something. side of to that yeah. character. Like you feel like. You can't, like, why does Gordon trust this guy? But even Gordon throughout the film is like, mm-hmm. why am I trusting this guy? You know yeah. what I mean? Why am I trusting Phil? So there well, that, is, and that's that the performance, in, honestly. I think that comes in with Hank because we oh, find yeah. <laughs> out that Hank, uh, Hank is not a regular member of this crew. Mike yeah. is. And Jeff, this is his first gig with them. So he's giving his nephew. And I think it's his wife's, I think it's technically his wife's nephew. Yeah. Like it's her sister's Through son. marriage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it's his sister's son. It's his wife's sister's son, I believe. Uh, so he's giving him a shot. Let me give him a job. You know, young kid. Uh, but Hank is kind of a floater. He's one of those guys they bring him in if they need extra. And another guy that they that actually is in it is Larry Fessenden. He's another floating guy that they hire from time to time. Very and brief role. Very briefly. <laughs> blink, yeah. blink and you'll miss it almost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Phil wanted to hire him because him and Hank don't get along because Hank is fucking David. Uh, Hank is fucking Phil's ex-wife. And you find out that Hank is actually that Hank really doesn't give two shits about her. He really doesn't care about her that much. And he even says at one point he's kind of joking, but kind of not that he's only fucking her to piss off Phil. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's He's kind of joking, but he's kind of not. Yeah. He's a little bit of a because he has a gambling problem. He's a gambler. He's he's a poker player. He likes to, you know, so he's only using this to get more money to go to the to to go to the track or to play, you know, to to, to go gamble something. That's what he does. He's a get rich quick guy. Um, And so Phil and Hank don't get along. So Phil doesn't want him. So there's always this level of deception where he's trying to where, where Phil is trying to find a reason to get rid of Hank, to try to get Gordon to fire Hank. So that's where some of his deception comes in. A lot of his deception comes in. It's and just trying never, to ruin Hank. And it's funny because in a movie like this, you'd expect the characters to like, they're at each other's throats, but mm-hmm. really, it's subtle. Yeah. They never attack each other, mm-hmm. punch, fight. There's really not any yeah. of that. It's more like, like low shots. So you're like, oh, yes. fucking this. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of taking because shots Because they still have other. to do a job. They yeah, still have they, to work. They have to keep and, it professional. <laughs> yeah. And Mike is kind of one of those people who, like they say, he was in law school and he was supposed to, he was going to be a lawyer. His father was a, his father was a big lawyer and he just didn't feel it. So now he's doing this just so he can kind of figure out what he wants to do with his life. Mm-hmm. He's only doing this for now. He obviously he's got a family. They you know, again, if his father was a big high-powered lawyer, they have some money in the family. He doesn't need this. He's mm-hmm. doing it because he's got nothing else to do right now. 
You know, and the kid is He's just the intellectual to, of the group. He is. is basically Absolutely. what that's what Mike is there yes. for. That character is there to kind of be the guy that he knows the history of the hospital and mm-hmm. he knows he's the guy that reads books. There's yes. plenty of shots of him just yeah. sitting on the side reading, reading a book. Mm-hmm. And then that so it kind of it's that's what's great about the movie. They each have such distinct personalities. Yes. And it, it's no one's cookie cutter in a way. It's it's everyone is so different from one each, one another. And that's what works perfectly within the cast. Um, one more thing I want to mention is it's alluded to that Gordon – well, not alluded to. It's basically – you find out midway through the film that Gordon hit his wife. Mm-hmm. He yes, hit her. He hit, he hit her. In a, in a fit yeah. of rage because boiling water fell on his, his leg. Yeah, the, the pot of uh, – pot of yeah, she was boiling, boiling pasta and a pot, yeah. pot of water fell and – yeah. And he hit her. So – through, I'd say about half the film, mm-hmm. we cut back to. You only hear this interaction. You never yeah. see it. He and confides cut, in Phil yes, with it. Yes. Yeah. And we see the wound. We see mm-hmm. he's walking with a limp, and we see Putting the gross, iodine on it. And yeah. It's disgusting. We see it mm-hmm. on his leg. And he's sort of dealing with the guilt of hitting his wife, staying mm-hmm. at a motel. He's no longer home. So yep. this dude's just going through a lot of shit right now. He just wants to complete this job. He's dealing with these fucking jabronis who keep fucking cursing each other out mm. that he's working with. And then his fucking and then his wife, just kind of the whole situation. And he's like a thermometer dude the entire yeah. film, ready to pop. And yes. you see it the yeah. whole movie. And it's interesting. And I guess we could move away from the actual synopsis part of the movie and kind of just go into different things different aspects of the movie but in the film you know when you're when you meet and and i i don't know if this was done on purpose uh and and a lot of parallels to the shining like blatant Mm -hmm. blatant. and that's kind of that's honestly like the best way to kind of articulate it is jack's descent into madness in the shining Mm-hmm. But instead of it being three, you know, a small family stuck in a hotel, it's five dudes stuck inside of a hospital, an abandoned hospital that's run down and needs to be fixed. And Gordon's descent into madness, you know, mm-hmm. and that's basically what the movie is because you even said it. It is it supernatural? Yeah. You you never really you never really know. Mm-hmm. You just you never find out. You never you never find out if this place is actually haunted. And that's what I that's another thing. And I know revisiting it this time, there's not a lot of spooky images. You know what I mean? There's like no It's it's all spooky images, but no spooky things. Ghost. There's yeah. no spooky it's, ghost. <laughs> it's like every it's like all those stereotypical I just I wouldn't say stereotypical, but all like everything you picture when you picture a haunted house. Yes. The images, the col- like the the way the coloring of things, the way that you're gonna shoot it, the way the the way the shadows land on things, the little things in the in the darkness over here, it they they shot it so perfectly. Like if you were to imagine a an abandoned haunted mental hospital in your head, this is exactly what this movie looks like. Yeah, it is like it's you would this is this movie is exactly what you would see in your head before you even saw the film and there's and and you mentioned the hospital like you said before this is an actual mm-hmm. they shot at an actual abandoned hospital yes and well they shot parts of it from what i was reading no 
not there. No, like most of it was shot there, but there was a couple of scenes I think they shot, like they built maybe small sets or something like that. Inside. No? Inside the actual yep. hospital. Yep. Um, but it's what I do, what I do love about this, and it goes back to the whole kind of Shining comparison. The movie opens up like The Shining, yes. almost shot exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Where we've got Phil, we've got Gordon. I mm-hmm. forget the character's name, but we've got this guy who's showing them around yeah. the actual hospital, the abandoned hospital, mm-hmm. and the framing, the camera movement. Pan, like yeah. basically uh, following Bill them on Griggs, a, played by yes. Paul Gilfoyle. Yeah. Yes, and it's literally following them from room to room. We spend about, I'd say, ten minutes, yeah. ten to fifteen about minutes that. in the beginning of the film, following these characters, getting a tour of wh- mm-hmm. where they're gonna work. And yeah. it, dude, it's and and I would also say setting that, up the ending with it, though. Of course, but yeah. I wouldn't say totally it's, setting up the ending. It's not ripping off The Shining, but I would def- no. I would say it's it's an a homage, an yes. homage to the uh, an homage yeah, to the to, uh, to, 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 to Stuart to Stuart Olson yeah. walking yeah, yeah. Jack through walking Jack and Wendy through the hotel. It's yeah. the same type of the two of them walking behind Griggs as he tours them through, and he explains this and he explains it's the same thing. And, and Jack editing, and Wendy yeah. walking behind Olson. Yeah. And the editing happens. They, they'll hit like a beam or something. And you can mm-hmm. see that's where they kind of cut into the next. Yep. It's all flawless, dude, the way they oh, shot yeah. everything. And that happens several times. There's another, there's another shot. Just kind of the way the cinematography is on the entire hotel. Hotel. Look at that. See, hotel. The entire hospital is, uh, is perfect. There's a shot where Jeff's underground and the camera mm-hmm. moves from this underground hallway bunker to above the grass mm-hmm. and you can just it's just shot so great and you can see it the is. scope it, it feels it is practical it's an actual yes. you know abandoned hospital but it feels like a real place you could visit because technically you could have i don't know if this place mm-hmm. is open anymore or not i'm guessing it's not we'll get to that oh okay there you go I, <laughs> that's information we'll that. i that's information i didn't i didn't even uh yeah. I didn't. I didn't even have in, in my notes here. I, I didn't even. I, actually, you know what? I think I tried to look it up. I might have found some information, but you probably have more more than I do. Uh, another thing, and I'm sure you'll agree with me with this one too, that the sound is really kind of just dynamic. Oh, love it. Oh, it's amazing. I would say even between like you know, it has a very gentle, soft score, mm-hmm. but all the foley and sound effects and everything. It's almost mixed in a way where the score is so quiet that whenever something loud happens or you mm-hmm. hear a scream or you hear, you know, the flashback to Gordon interacting with his wife and obviously the session, the tapes, the sessions. Yeah. So fucking eerie, dude. You watch this mm-hmm. at by yourself in a dark room. <laughs> And there's listen. This movie has no like figures standing in in a sh- in a shadow. There's no there's looking no jump eerie scares. and creepy. Yeah, yeah. No. And it's like when you listen to just even if you were to take away the the rest of the film, the ending, the beginning, and you just listen to Mike sitting there in this little tiny fucking room, listen. Mm-hmm. It's and the and Mary Hobbs, the woman that the the tapes belong to, and they don't belong yeah. to her, but that the hospitals, but they're of her. Yeah. And her transition between these different personalities, fucking scary. It's fucking scary mm-hmm. shit, man. It is. Who am I speaking with? Mary got a china doll from her mommy, and we can't find it now. 
No, princess, I haven't seen it. Maybe Billy knows where your China doll is. Oh, silly, silly. <laughs> That's the catalyst for tension throughout the entire film. Um, when Mike opens the box and he finds all the tapes and you see session one, two, three, four, from that point forward, uh, as an audience member, like, you know, this is, it's a countdown. It's like a bomb timer for the <laughs> yeah. rest of the film. You know, we are building up because the name of the movie is session nine. So, you know, we are building to what is session Something nine. bad is yes. going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just, it's the timer that's always there. And, and as the movie goes on, Mike becomes more and more obsessed with the tapes as well. He starts finding more reasons to sneak away and go downstairs and listen. And then he starts listening. He, even when they all go, he's there at night listening to them sometimes, Yeah, you know? So as he does, uh, every so often, like he'll get frustrated. He'll, he'll get, interrupted and he's got to okay he's got to walk away because he's still working so when he realizes okay he's gonna get caught listening to these things he's got to leave and now you as an audience are um you're feeling his frustration like oh i want to get to the next tape you know and then when we cut we leave from there then we go to gordon and now we and now we have his tension building so it continues building uh so as mike gets more frustrated as Gordon gets more frustrated, it's like they're tightening this rope on both ends for the audience. And the center of that rope is, says, says session nine, right? There. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's it, they're building. So even when they even when they take you away from one story, they put you in the uh, they put you back into Gordon's story where they're building up the tension and they're in, increasing uh, the information about what happened between him and his wife. You know, and, so and you de when you're watching it, you're trying to figure out, you know, obviously when you're watching it for a second or third time, you know what's going to happen. You know, the ending mm -hmm. of the film. But when you're watching it for the first time, you're trying to put the puzzle yeah. together. Like, how does that what is this? What does Gordon's situation have to do with these tapes? Like, what's where to what's the parent? Like, what's going on there? You don't even know. Mm -hmm. Until you get to the ending of the film where you kind of can tell again, it's interpretation, yeah. dude. And, and when we talk about the ending, yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll you'll have uh, I, I have an interpretation. I'm sure yours is probably much better. Mine's a little well, just kind of surface level. <laughs> I just feel like you'll have a much better interpretation than me. <laughs> because I feel like this is a movie you've watched way more than I have. I probably mm -hmm. only watched this movie. I'd say this might have been my fifth time, sixth time watching it. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm, I'm pretty. I remember ago. when, yeah, no, when I, I remember when it first came out, I did watch it at least two or three times. But in the last mm. few years, like I said, I think I watched uh -huh. it maybe five years ago. It was just on Pluto TV or one of those channels. Uh -huh. And then I hadn't watched it until again, and you know, to cover, to cover it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing I want to mention, and this is just something I really like about. So, cause we kind of brushed over him a little bit, but. Josh Lucas, the Hank mm -hmm. character, Hank yes. character. There's, there's uh, two things. Also, before I jump into what I like about him, I, is it just me or is Josh Lucas like a less southern Matthew McConaughey? I don't know why. I've always, <laughs> I do. I don't know. I don't know. I might be alone in this one, but no, I can time, see it. I, dude, I wouldn't have considered it, but I, yeah, I can see it now that you're saying it. Yeah. Every movie I watch, and th this dude pops up in it. I'm always like, dude, he's just, he's just like. I don't want to mm -hmm. say a, a dollar store version of Matthew McConaughey, but he's just 
He just has a and in this movie with the he's, mustache and the little thing and he's just in the hat. He he's in some really of, good movies, but he's not he's not Dallas Buyers Club yeah, he's, he's <laughs> level. Not, he's not McConaughey. He's not, he's not that Dallas Buyers Club. He's not that Oscar yeah, award winning. He's not that Wolf of Wall Street Buyers in, Club. Interstellar. <laughs> you interstellar. know, Cadillac commercials. Yeah. <laughs> selling whiskey. Boom, boom, boom. Isn't he selling whiskey and shit now, Something, Matthew McConaughey? Yes. Yo, yeah. Matthew McConaughey. So going off on a tangent here, has had such an interesting – he had like that weird run for five years where he was in Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, Dallas Buyers mm-hmm. Club. And now he's just selling cars and cigars and mm-hmm. shit to people. So interesting. And then he was, Coming from he, Texas Chainsaw 4. I know. And like <laughs> literally was around for 15 years, 20 yeah. years until – he didn't blow up until maybe his late 40s I think is when he really had all that, that big resurgence where he was in all these movies. Yeah. And then now he's just – Selling bourbon, doing whatever and, and the hell he wants. He's doing anything Cadillacs. he wants. Yo, he got the Oscar. He's done. He does. He yeah. fucking. That's it. But yes, back to that character. Uh, I, I. So there's two things about about the character of Hank that I really like in Session Nine. First, I love, and the dude. All jokes aside, he is really good in this film. There's that scene that seems so real and authentic, where he has kind of it's a monologue talking about an exit plan and he's telling jeff he's he's described because jeff's a young guy and he's learning you know you don't want to do this for 25 years what's your exit plan and it's such a great scene because he's pointing out and this goes back to what we said earlier about this group of men and how they all kind of have different personalities he's pointing to each one of them and what their exit plan is in life and he's talking about his own it's such a great just that character even though throughout the film he's kind of skeezy you know, he's banging, he's banging uh, Phil's wife, girlfriend, whatever. You know, he still seems human. And in that moment, it's like, I'm trying to plan shit out so I don't have to be here fucking getting rid of this asbestos forever. You know what I but, mean? But, but at the same time, he's that guy who says that. He's smooth. That's no, what I'm saying. Well, he well, kind of, because the next thing I was going to mention kind uh, of – he has that whole scene where he's talking about that, and then he and, – and this is another thing I love about the movie, and it involves another great shot that I love. Hank ends up accidentally stumbling after this scene. He mm-hmm. stumbles across a brick. There's like a hole in the wall. Yeah. And coins and jewelry start to kind of pour out of it. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. This has got to be worth something. And it kind of goes back because he literally a few minutes ago was talking about his exit his exit yep. plan, and he found a way to sort of see. That's I why I say, say yeah, he's the guy who off. says he has an exit plan, but he doesn't. Not yet. He doesn't. No. Act, no, but yeah, exactly. He's just that guy that that guy that you work with. Yeah. You know, everybody works with that one guy who's always talking about what he's going to do, what he's going to do, what he's going to do. 25 years later, he's never still working in the same. He's never done <laughs> yeah. it because he didn't actually have a plan. Yeah. yeah. But the second he gets an anything he's going to take it and run with it you know and then he's going to end up right back where he started and that's what hank is and i think that's why he feels so real because he's that guy who's just talking out his ass and he's he's a gambler he's he's you know he's he's fucking this girl just to piss her off he doesn't actually have a plan in life he leaves himself in a position where nothing is attached to him 
Yeah. So he can drop anything at a moment and go chase some weird far off, you know, long shot. And if it doesn't work, he can always come right back to where he was because nobody was actually really connected to him. No. So nobody felt offended that he left in the first place. Well, because they were just like, oh, typical Hank. That's kind exactly. of the way they feel. Exactly. But, they, but he's that he's that guy. But that performance and that scene was perfect. He even has a line where I think he says you'll end up, I think, at 30 years old gargling on the shit that they're breathing in, something Mm -hmm. along those lines. And that's when he says, why aren't you wearing a mask? He's like, oh, it's all right. I I got an exit plan. Basically saying that that he is he is already too late for him. He already is the guy he's talking about, even though I love how he's smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. while fucking removing. It's too late for him. Exactly. It's so funny. But yeah. After that scene, that great scene with Hank, he ends up finding out going back to the other scene because this is another fucking great shot. And just probably, honestly, probably my favorite set piece in Mm -hmm. the whole movie uh, is you've got Hank. He's just working and he finds these jewels and it's like rings and and coins. He tucks it back into the wall then. It's a bunch of shit. And he ends up and you already know when you're watching this character, you know, okay, he's going to come back when they're gone, take all this shit and try to pawn Split. it and get money. Yeah. What's great about this shot and, and and it kind of tricking the audience with the whole paranormal aspect of this movie is what and this kind of goes to like trope like tropey haunted house movies. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got Hank this brick, you know, he removes this brick, he's pulling out all this shit. All these all these rings and all this jewelry and all this money and all these coins are covered in dust. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, it's in old. the wall, yeah. it's old. And the camera flips. We see the other side of the wall, and it's the crematorium in the morgue. Yep. And all those, all that dust and shit is ashes mm-hmm. from all the people that were burned in yep. the crematorium. So mm-hmm. just a great scene. And then you as the audience, and this is how I think the film tricks people that watch it. You're like, okay. Something bad's going to happen, and it does happen <laughs> um, yeah. to him because he's stealing from these spirits. From the that, dead, yeah. Yeah, these people that are in or what you think mm-hmm. is in this building. And, you know, when you think of, like, tropey shit that happens in ghost story, you know, movies or just any kind of ghost anything, whether it's a story, a film, whatever – it usually goes back to like this artifact. The Amityville films made a fucking a million sequels. Yeah, it's the like, cursed oh, object. Yeah, yeah there's you, one yeah, object. Yeah, you that love does you it, yeah. love stuff like that. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I stole this ashtray. He puts the ring this, on his yeah. finger, and it's like, whoa, whose ring is that? Is, yeah, yeah, and you think like, oh shit, mm-hmm. that's who's who's because right after this because scene, now it's the first yeah. time. Yeah, as soon as he pulls it out, he. You, you get the POV camera of something coming at him and he ah, and you assume, oh, as soon as he pulled this out, taking that haunted house trope, he released the spirit right there. Yeah. And they they play on that. And that's absolutely probably, that's probably the only time in the movie where you see a dark figure mm-hmm. like hidden in the shadows, like really brief. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the only time you see something. And mm-hmm. it turns out that well, you find out who you find out yeah. what that was at the uh, at the end of the film. I assume we're going to spoil it eventually, oh, but it's okay. Gonna... It's leave it, leave it. Yeah, we'll leave it till we get there. Leave me till we, we get, get there. To the ending. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you want to point out? Any other stuff that you really loved about the movie? I have one or two more things I want to mention before we get into the ending. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I have two different. It's more about my interpretations of the films, you know, okay. of, of of it. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into that now or not. Um, I, I do want to point out two more things. One, one more, Go ahead. one more, really fucking. So David Caruso, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like him a lot in this movie. He's he, great. He's fucking Fuck great. You. And that's exactly what I was going to find. <laughs> I now, I will Fuck admit. You. Fuck you. <laughs> that dude, fucking line. Dude, one the the fucking line delivery. I was like, all right, dude. And it's funny because every time I see David, what, what is he on? Is it one of those SVU shows? He's on one of those. Uh, he's on CSI. CSI the, he was on, yeah, he was on CSI for a while. Um, but yeah, every he time I on, think. Yeah. What, what, I know it was one of those CSI shows. Miami. Yeah. And David Caruso, every time I see him, I think of, of I, I think I'm pretty sure it was uh, King of New York, not mm-hmm. New Jack City. Um, but in that movie, he gets killed in a, in like the, he's like a corrupt cop in that movie. Mm-hmm. It might be, I forget. I, I forget if it's New Jack City or, or, or uh, King of New York. Both of those movies are great and I haven't watched them in a while. But in that movie, he's like a shitty. He's really good at playing shitty yeah. characters, shitty like cops, <laughs> shitty cops, and shitty fucking just like shitty. It's King of New York. I'm looking right at it. Yeah. Um, King, so King in of New that York, movie, yeah. he gets murdered in the back of because he's a corrupt cop, and it's like mm-hmm. he is so good at playing a dick. Like in this yeah. movie, that like he that is. line, "fuck you," like just everything Fuck about you. Him. He's just perfect casting. He's at least he's hamming it up a little bit, mm-hmm. a little overacting, but yeah. it's besides maybe the "fuck you," he's super aggressive, but it works for the character. Of yeah, it, it's it's great, and I and I just love that. I love the performance, and I'm ninety percent sure we're not the first people to mention the "fuck you." Like, no, oh, dude, even <laughs> no, even in the things they all say it's the best line of the movie. A bunch of, of like like the producer, the director, they all say it's the best line of the movie. And and it's fuck the you, it's the, it's the, the delivery, <laughs> everything. It's perfect. It's he so ridiculous, it. but I think at that point you're like an hour into like an hour and mm-hmm. ten minutes into the movie because it happens towards the end. It's like the last act of the film when they're all kind of going they're all everything's getting chaotic and yeah. it's just so funny dude like i forgot about it i forgot about it and I'm oh i'll there, never forget about I'm it fucking I'll never laughing. i used to say it like that to people all the time fuck it was you. a quotable line for me so good. fuck you <laughs> hey fuck you so brad brad anderson said that uh so usa films produced this Okay, they were one, USA Films was the one of the producers. I of did the, write uh, that down in my notes. I was like, "Wow, I haven't seen yeah. that logo in many yeah, movies." Yeah, I know, the right? US, <laughs> USA Films logo. I was yeah. like, "All right, cool." Uh, so they produced this, and Brad Anderson says when they were casting that Caruso was already working on CSI mm. with USA, so they suggested him for casting, and he said he wasn't on my list. For people that I wanted, but when we saw him, he's like, great. He was great. I loved it. Awesome. Um, the producer, though, the producer says that USA Films came in a quarter of the way through shooting. Mm. That they didn't start. They weren't on the production from the beginning. About a quarter of the way through, they had already started producing. They had already started shooting the film. And then USA Films came on. 
a quarter of the oh, way through the okay. shoot. And he said, and then they started, he's like, and then, and so they brought in finishing funds and marketing budget and stuff like that. And he's like, and then they had their accountants there and their other producers there. He said, we started the shoot and then they came to set. He's like, it was really nice to have them there on set. He's like, but the tension went up because suddenly now we have people looking over our shoulders and they're checking time and they're watching overtime. They're watching budgets. They're watching what we're spending. You know, he said, and it got very, very stressful that way. So he's like, him as a producer, he had to kind of be that bar- barrier so that the director or the DP could just shoot the movie and the producer could keep them happy. So, uh, and and so then that would mean that that Caruso was signed because CSI started two thousand one as well. Mm, I and know he did he did well he did a guest spot in. There was a CSI. It was like four different CSI movies. There's so a four, lot of four, them, yeah. Yeah. So the first one was 2001. He guested in 2003 on mm. one of the shows. And then that character got his spinoff, and that's CSI Miami, gotcha. which started two years after this movie. Okay. okay. But he'd already been on Law and Order. He'd already been on a couple other cop shows, like as a bit character here and there. So this is why I say they're two opposing stories. Anderson says that they got him from USA Films and they suggested him. But the producer says USA Films didn't come on until a quarter of the way through. So where the hell, where the hell <laughs> did Br- David Caruso come from? <laughs> he just fucking out of thin air. He just showed he just up showed on up set. Day. He's like, I'm Fuck you. Here. I'm going to be in this movie. <laughs> That's, That's exactly what he you did. Know, <laughs> so yeah, so that's really weird. So so yeah, so in one in one he came from CSI and in the other one he got CSI as a result of working with USA Films on this. You if know, I, I don't know which is which is correct. Yeah. I have no idea. If I read correctly, I believe this was the last USA Films production too. After this they went bankrupt or folded Possibly. or something. Possibly. I I'm pretty sure I think I read that uh, while I was looking at some trivia. That uh, this was yeah. Okay. So, so here you go. I actually have it right in front of me. So, filmed during the summer of two thousand, um, mm-hmm. but was released during the summer a year later in a limited release. Uh, USA Films, they went. They were going bankrupt, and this was the last film produced by USA Films, and it's now under the Universal Pictures banner. Which yeah, Universal okay. owns USA. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So this was the last film. Funny enough, yeah. after you telling me that whole you know behind the scenes situation with mm-hmm. them, that this was the last film they was produced. The last film they produced, yeah. So, I mean, obviously they kept producing movies, they kept producing TV shows. Well, Universal this, yeah. Studios, yeah. Universal. Well, Pictures no, USA owns them now. like network. Yeah. <clears throat> and, well, yeah, and USA. CSI is, and, that's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that whole umbrella. Uh, so uh, same. So since we're talking about casting, Brandon Sexton plays Jeff. They actually did hire him because they saw him in Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oh. They wanted him. They wanted that kid with that attitude. Yeah, they wanted that shitty little kid. <laughs> Honestly, he was cast because of that. <laughs> if I had, if I had something I didn't like about the movie or something that was kind of a con, would probably be his character. His characters, not that he's useless, mm-hmm. but I feel like out of the group, he is probably the weakest performance. I could see that, and he and he felt that way. He actually felt that way that he felt he was learning a lot when he got there. He felt like I'm on this movie. He saw the other actors and he's like, oh, my God, yeah, <laughs> I don't belong here. <laughs> he's probably my only sort of just kind he of has eh. some weak. 
Yeah, some of his some of his delivery is like ah, you're trying too hard. You, that's how it felt like 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 when they're teasing him and, and when they're teasing him and he's drooling, he's doing all that. You know, when they're outside having lunch, it's it. The, you're right. He feels like he's forcing the performance. He's not as natural as the others. You know, he does kind of stand out. Um, but I think that does say to his age and that he is just younger and less experienced than the rest of them. Yeah, he, he's so. He's he's good because I like the whole thing. I forget what it's called in Fear of the Dark because his character, Jeff's character, scared Nyctophobia, of Nyctophobia. Yeah. He's it, like that's probably the only thing about his character that adds anything to the setting of the film. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, you know, besides being Gordon's nephew, I just felt like he didn't really add much. Yeah, you know, to the cast, he was just kind of it was like a reason to have a younger guy because they're all. You know, it's probably Jeff and then Hank are the two younger mm-hmm. guys, and the rest of them are you know a little older. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just like rewatching it again and yeah. watching it these two times. I felt like he was. I was like, all right, if that character didn't exist, this movie would still be awesome. Mary, I want you to try to remember what happened 22 years ago on Christmas night in Lowell. That's where we grew up. Yes. Can you tell me what happened that night in Lowell? Uh, nothing happened. Mary, something did happen. That's why we have these sessions to help you remember so you can get better, okay? Uh, no. Okay, so uh, there's two things that I want that I that I do want to kind of dive into. Uh, one being uh, one of my one of my kind of I guess they're both kind of subtext within the film. One of them uh, was actually something I never really considered too much before, but okay. So, so I have the second sight release and that comes with a nice little book and there are four essays in it. Uh, one, two, yeah, there are four different essays, uh, three essays in it. One of them is called the spectral women of session nine by Alexandra Heller Nicholas. And she, uh, she, she also, uh, hosts one of the, uh, the t- a twisted collage, which is another one of the special features on there. Uh, so I read her essay. The other two were uh, one of them is on the location itself. Yeah, one of them is called the Snake Pit Called Home, and the other one is the House of Pain Horror Genres Fascinations with Abandoned Asylums. Now, hers is the one that I read. I didn't read the other two yet. I'm going to, but I haven't. Uh, I'm glad I did because hers is the first essay in the book, and it gives this whole other side of the movie, which I always kind of saw, but not to the depth that she did. So it's about 10 pages. I kind of break, I'm going to break it down. Uh, essentially what she's saying is you have the whole movie is all, is all men, the movie about men. Um, but it's not about men. It's actually about men and how they, um, communicate with women. Okay. Now look, look, based on everything we've said, what is that? What, what, you know, what the hell yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, everything you said. Think about this. In the entire film, every single character is motivated by the woman or a woman in their life. So the hospital itself, um, they call it she. The guy, when he explains it, he says she. It's the, 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 the name of the ward. He calls it she. I didn't even pick up on that. Wow. Yes, he calls it she. Mary Hobbs, the patient. Another woman. Her main her main altar that she uses that she personally uses the most is the princess. 
Okay, Patricia Willard is the woman whose story that Mike tells, the, 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 the satanic ritual abuse victim who shuts the hospitals down, is a woman. Gordon's wife, Wendy, his daughter, Emma, Phil's ex-wife and Hank's girlfriend, Amy, the only and we see her. The time we see her in the film is when is, is just like that, that short montage of Hank being yelled at by her. And yeah. he's just oblivious to her. He's just sitting with a beer, watching TV, and she's <laughs> yeah. behind him yelling, and he doesn't give a shit what she's saying. And the fact that that's the source of tension between Hank and Phil, and he doesn't even love her. He's just doing it to piss off Phil. Jeff is Gordon's nephew from his wife's sister. Okay? Mm. The deleted scenes has a homeless woman living in the hotel. Yeah. Living in the a hotel. The hotel. <laughs> living in the hospital. They cut okay. that out completely. Like it's they did. Com- completely they did. removed uh, from the movie. They said they took it out because when they did test screenings, people were confused and they thought that it was Mary Hobbs. Yeah. I they thought see it was that. Mary. Yeah, and, and it was confusing people. They're like, even though it's a black woman, she's covered in dust and, and everything. So you really can't tell. She's all gray dusted out, you know. So people thought that that was Mary living. Even though we see Mary's grave uh in the movie people thought that was her and they said okay it's just it's too confusing let's streamline it yeah you would never know she was even in the film Mm -hmm. like they cut her out like completely it's crazy yeah um the generator the actual generator that keeps going out is named jenny (laughs) i didn't even know how to pick up on any of this dude yeah the bar that phil is seen drinking in is molly's bar by the way, there's a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> right over his right shoulder. Yes. Did you notice that? It's a Halloween film. It's a Halloween uh, movie. Uh, unintentionally, there's like mm-hmm. literally a like jack-o'-lantern cutout mm-hmm. right over David Caruso's like right or left shoulder. I forget which one. And it's yeah. like clear as day right there. So mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. So and to then, mention it. Not yeah, you of course you, have to, you found the you found the, you found the hidden pumpkin. <laughs> there you go. And then small detail, but it's a detail. Um, when all the coins come out, the coin that Hank is drawn to is a silver Lady Liberty dollar. Mm. And that's the coin that he finds on the roof later. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I didn't even it's think It's the Lady wow. Liberty dollar. So there's all these connections of women being the catalyst to what's happening in them. And there's just this female. And then she goes in even deeper. The fact that it's written by a guy and it's directed by a guy, it's produced by a guy, the DP, the, uh, um, the costume designers, the set designer, all women. Hmm. Yeah. Lots of women behind the scenes on this and all the women in the story influence these men. Wow, you know? yeah. Yeah, and it was, like I said, it was a 10-page thing, so she really gets into a lot more of this. I just wanted to break it down and show, here's what, here, find this stuff. It's really, really interesting, you know? And I was it, like, wow, I, I, like, I always knew, I, I never, always saw the female yeah. thing, but how deep it went, you know? Like, I would have never picked up on the coin. Mm-hmm, no, I would have no, never picked I, up on Jenny, the generator. There's yep. a lot of... The generator, exactly, it's Jenny super, the generator. <laughs> it's like little nuances of like female, I, I guess, just aspects of just female, a mm-hmm. female presence throughout the whole exactly. film. Exactly, and there's so much of it, it's like, okay, this isn't a coincidence. No. It's one of those things yeah. they clearly put in there, but they just don't, they don't talk about it. Like here, you either catch it or you don't. Because the only other movie I could think of that does something like this, minus the female, is the, is the thing. The thing is all men, but there's mm-hmm. no real... 
No. Hints at any female anything. Not that I can think of. In, no. in that in that movie, so no. that's kind of the only. Honestly, those two movies would make a good double feature. Very different types of films, but both just men stuck in one place, kind of dealing with crazy shit that's going yeah. on. So you're right. That's that's cool that there's yeah. a lot of just kind of undertones yeah. of a female presence throughout mm-hmm. the, throughout the whole film even though there's no female there's no yeah, like, real like, woman besides in the his movie, wife yeah. and the, the the girlfriend and and the wife and the wife is played really. by one actress and then it's a different actress who does her voice voice yeah weird yeah yeah and the baby you know? i guess the baby's a female emma the, mm-hmm. the, the yes little it's a little girl so it's yeah that's uh, emma <laughs> yeah weird how Wow, that, I, that's fucking crazy. That, that, <laughs> See what I mean? Else, like, it's so interesting. No. Like, wow. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I never considered I even, all that. I never, yeah, like watching it, besides, mm-hmm. like, yeah, besides the, the characters that are female, I mm-hmm. didn't pick up on any of those other other yeah. things. So, well, I have another. Really cool. Then there's my, my my thing. Now, we we used to talk a long time ago that uh, uh, Mario had told me this. He said that there was uh, uh, um, there's a theory that went around that the movie is, none of this is actually. Not that it's not happening, but there's a reason for it happening, is that they're all suffering from asbestos poisoning. And that's where the hallucinations come from, and that's where all this stuff comes from. Um, And there's some weight to that, but like Mario had told me a long time ago that Brad Anderson had said that. And and I have not not seen anything of Brad Anderson saying that, yes, they all have asbestos poisoning. That would be a cop-out if that was the reason why all this was happening to them. Well, I think – well, the way he was the way Mario said it to me was that he like that was what he wrote in the script. He followed the symptoms of asbestos poisoning when they were writing the script and what was happening to them. So it's not actually that it's happening, but it can be interpreted that way because he used the symptoms of it to his aggression yeah. and you know his 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 uh, their their fatigue and you know and all that. Okay, never once though in the movie do I no. feel like that's no. what's triggering anything because. No. There's barely a cough. Like there's only yeah, a scene where nothing. Jeff gets covered in everything. That's about it. And that's and it. Me- exactly. Yeah. And they mention it, their mask and stuff. But mm-hmm. it, yeah. besides it being their job, you kind of yeah, forget about it, does, it halfway it, through the movie. <laughs> like it's just yeah. their job, you know? So I have a different perspective. Not perspective, but I guess it goes back to the dual stories. Um, in the end, we find out that Gordon – has killed his wife and his daughter and the dog. Poor dog. He kills the fucking dog. <laughs> you hear like, it. You hear the dog, <laughs> and you hear him <laughs> kick the dog and kill the fucking dog. Like, you hear his, you hear that he strangled his baby. Like, you actually yeah, hear, it was so, that's like a really twisted. creepy sound. Yeah. How the baby's, act, you actually hear the baby's gurgling. Yeah. Like, it's fucking you horrible. Know? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's really <laughs> twisted. Okay, so that's what happens in that, and that's what you find out that this whole time his wife has been dead this whole week. She he killed her like the first night he came home, and he broke. You know that thing hit him, and he not only he the, the water hit him, burned his leg, and he hit her, and then he beat her to death. 
And then the baby kept then the, 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 then the dog was barking, so he killed the dog. And you see the dog on the on the leash outside. And yeah. I wonder, did he kill the fucking dog on the front lawn? Because the dog was the dog was tied up outside of the house. Probably. <laughs> Gordon he, Gordon's did he a walk sick, outside. Yeah, you know, he walk outside and stomp the dog to death. Probably. He killed, <laughs> you know, the, killed you, the wife, killed the dog, and then ran back mm-hmm. into the and house, the baby, killed the baby. Yeah. Then the baby's crying, Weird. so he you know he kills the baby. So this is what happened, and he so he broke days ago, which is what David Caruso's character keeps saying. Like, he knows something's wrong, okay? You have David Caruso, who the day... So you have Phil. The day after uh, 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 um, Hank finds all those, he doesn't show up to work the next day because somebody... Something hit him. You said, again, the camera went at him and something hit him and, you know, he doesn't show up to work that day. Phil then calls his wife ex-wife to find out and she says that oh yeah he came home and said he found his ticket and he's leaving and everything that's a bullshit phone call because that's not what fucking happened which means that phil knows some phil already knows that something happened to hank and he already gets the feeling that gordon has something to do with it He's, he's and there's some secret he, there. <laughs> yes, and he yeah. makes up this story, this performance of calling her on the phone in front of everyone, almost like he's covering up for Gordon. Okay? Now, go back to Mary. Mary's story is that um, Mary, it was Christmas. I think it was Christmas. And Mary was, uh, I think she was climbing a little, she was climbing a ladder or something and her brother knocked her over and she fell over and she broke her doll that she had gotten for Christmas. And in a fit of rage, she kills her brother and then she kills her mother and she kills her father. She kills the whole family in a fit of rage after breaking this doll. Okay. So parallel that to Gordon. Okay. Now Gordon is Mary. Mike is the doctor uncovering Mary's psychosis. Jeff is the princess, innocent and ignorant to everything. Phil is Billy. He hides and cover he hides the crime and covers it up so that Mary doesn't know what she did, protects her from the truth, shields her through manipulation, which is what Phil did, made up a whole story as to what happened to Hank so that so that Gordon doesn't remember. In the beginning, Gordon's in the car. This is where we start. We start with him and he's in the car and he's talking. We don't see who he's talking to. And then the camera cuts and you see that Phil is in the car with him and they're talking. Okay. When you go to the end, after Gordon killed his family a couple days ago, he obviously killed, he didn't kill Phil. He used the um, lobotomy thing on Phil and it's still in Phil's eye. Phil is laying on the ground. He kills him. He So he puts, he uses that on Phil. He kills Jeff out in the parking lot. Um, he kills Mike from behind. He runs up from behind and clocks Mike and kills him. And he killed um, Phil at some point. So everybody's dead. And now we have Gordon talking to Phil. Even though Phil's dead, he's standing there talking to him, having a conversation back and forth. Again, shot the same way we shot them in the beginning of their in separate medium shots talking, but they're never in the same frame. And 
in the in the opening, we see them talking separately, and then we get a shot of them next to each other, finally out of the and they're and they're together. In the end of the film, we do the opposite: medium, medium, back and forth, and then when we go wide, Gordon's all by himself. He's by himself, yeah. Yes, it's an As eerie shot. Earlier, That's a fucking yes. eerie shot. Yes. Dude. That's why I said earlier the opening shot sets up the final shots. Okay, uh, so that mirrors the end. Phil's not really there. It's filmed the same way. So. Phil is Billy. He's also partially Simon because he's antagonizing Gordon through the course of the week. He pushes him and he makes him feel. He tells everybody that he's crazy. He says Gordon's losing it. He taunts him. He pushes his buttons through the course of the week. He's clearly trying to do something here, you know. Um, it's also Billy trying to protect Mary from the truth. Okay. Um, the phone call, blah, blah, blah. Hank is now almost a completely fourth personality or this Hank is the one that I really it's it's he can go in different directions but I think his character might represent the exit plan the mm-hmm. reality that this is where Gordon wants to be he wants out of this and he wants to live his life so Hank can represent that mm-hmm. the exit plan that Gordon doesn't have which is why he's the first one to go and yeah, he's the one that brings up the exit yeah. plan and talks about how mm-hmm. everyone has to have yeah. one. So, yes, he's yeah. the exit plan. He's the first victim, and then Gordon realizes that there's no way out, and it's too late. So now he has to kill them all. Yeah. So that's the other mirrored story that I see, and this is how, this is why Gordon never actually interacts with the tapes. Has no, there's no point where they actually interact with, with Mike. He never finds out what Mike is doing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Mike's and, it's his own little secret the entire and film. And Mike never finds out that Gordon killed his family. No, Mike is completely oblivious. He's to what's killed going before on. he finds that out. All exactly. he knows so, is that the smack happened. That's all yeah, he, he finds out. Yeah, he hit his out. wife and yeah. that's it. That's all he knows. So these two concurrent storylines are happening and they actually never intersect, but they are fully parallel with each other. Yeah. Gordon and Mary are the same character. And Simon is the final voice we hear in the end. Simon is that breaking point. That moment. In the moment that Mary landed on the doll, that's when Simon took over. Her moment of, you know, and that's when Simon took over Gordon. When that water, the hot boiling water hit him, Simon took because he, as he says, in a very creepy, creepy yeah, moment, <laughs> he, the doctor says, because Mary lives in the mouth. Uh, Billy lives in the stomach. You know, so he comes up with the princess. So, sorry, the princess lives in Mary's mouth and Billy lives in her stomach. Mm-hmm. And the doctor, you hear the doctor say, Billy, where do you live? And he says... I live in the weak and the wounded. Yeah. It's and it twisted. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's love great. Love it. Yeah, it's great. Love and it. that's it's all amazing. happening when it's cutting back and forth, right? Between yes. Gordon and the wall mm-hmm. and with all the pictures and stuff. And you yeah. hear Simon telling, do yeah. it, Gordon. Do, do it. it. So scary. Do it. So scary, it's dude. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's it, and it's weird because when you go and you know, we've been and we've been saying it, it's like this isn't even a haunt, a ghost story. It's not. No, it has the elements of it. But. It's got the elements, but it, 
Like that's I I guess that would be the twist ending of this mm-hmm. movie if you think about it. It's not supernatural. No. You know, yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's about mental illness. Yeah, exactly. And even with yeah. even with the character of Hank, when he vanishes and we do see him again and then he vanishes again, it's mm-hmm. not because of some spirit or something like that. It's because the fucking guy's brain is severed and he's yep. <laughs> he doesn't even he's, know what he's doing. He doesn't know where he is. Yeah, that's it. He's he lost out it. of his mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it just shows you that it's it's just kind of crazy when you think about how the movie leads you one direction mm-hmm. and then that last 15 minutes 10 minutes come a different a different genre of movie it's not yeah. even a and you know people say that about the shining they're like oh mm. was the hotel haunted or was it all just jacks yeah losing you have it? no idea but then at the same time you know speaking of wendy because that's that's shelly duvall's name in in the shining mm-hmm. i just realized that too his wife <laughs> gordon's wife's name's wendy and i didn't even yeah. pick up on that wendy. there you go two wendy's no, another shining uh, reference <laughs> But, you know, when you watch The Shining and to kind of compare the two movies, because I mentioned it earlier, the only thing that kind of throws that kind of theory out in, in The Shining is that Wendy does see the blood. But it also could be played up that she's fucking losing it, too. So it's a similar. I have with, a theory about that. You have a theory about that, too. Maybe <laughs> we shouldn't get into that, that because no, maybe we'll do The Shining that. eventually. We're not going to get into uh, that. That'll be like, but, that's like an yeah, anniversary yeah, show because that's yeah. a long one. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah. me. I can do The Shining. <laughs> our, our shows, when we do them together, are long normally. So that'll be a five-hour episode. <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. Uh, but, yeah, even with this movie, you find out it's basically just this guy's kind of downward spiral yep. into some great into, – into literally just fucking flipping out. Kind of crazy. It's scary. And the scariest thing about this is, you know, and, and shit like this really happens. You think of like, this is a dark fucking story, but like Chris mm-hmm. Benoit, the wrestler, killed his whole yep. fucking family, but instead he committed, you know, killed himself. Um, but, you know, with with that, with this, it's like if something like that happened and the guy just went on with life, mm-hmm. like he just continued going in, clocking in every day, knowing full well at home. Kind of answer that. Wait, what? That, you have an answer you know, for that? A little bit. A little bit. It's based on a true story. Yes. I, I think I did see that when did I was like, looking through stuff. It's a true yeah. story. Uh, yeah. When he wrote the when they wrote the script, first off, it was based on Danvers because both that uh, I saw, Brad, yeah. Brad Anderson and uh, uh, He's Stephen. He's from there, right? I think Yeah. Brad they're Anderson both from Massachusetts. Yeah. So they, it was an area that they drove past and they saw the, hosp- they saw the hospital. It's this big hospital up on a hill. Um, so they wrote it based on that alone. Like we wanted, they wanted to write a story for this, but Brad Anderson had heard a story about a guy who lost his shit one night and he cut out his wife's heart and lungs after she burned dinner. Wow. And he apparently took her heart and lungs, put them on stakes and put them out in the yard. Oh God. Like, yes, this guy lost it. Wow, what and gets, what drives someone to get to that goddamn point? God damn, man, have a drink. Jesus Simon Christ. does, but I that's know. actually where the story comes from. What drives this to happen? Yeah. So that's that was the impetus of the story for Brad. Is what Brad Anderson? What is that? That evil that lives inside that that can cause someone to go from normal to cutting your wife's heart and lung, heart and lungs, lungs like yeah. Jesus. At least they didn't. At least they didn't add that to this movie. Movie. Jesus, you know, that would have been a bit. Feed it to the no, dog. No, maybe. Instead, instead, we just listen to a dog get kicked to death and a, and a baby, baby get, get choked, <laughs> strangled, strangled. You know, it's fucking dark, man. <laughs> it is. I, uh, I tell it you is. what, it's smart writing, man. To just kind of combine 
a haunted house movie. It's amazing. And true good. crime. It's you know, amazingly. I forget what story it is, but there's the, there's that you know on Netflix they had that new unsolved mysteries, and there was that story about that guy mm-hmm. who you know murdered his whole family and yeah. then vanished, and the dogs too buried the dogs, yeah. buried the whole family in the house, disappeared, and it's just crazy how you take something like that, a true crime story, and then flip it. To make you mm-hmm. think, make your audience think it's supernatural. Yeah. And then by the end of it, you're like, no, this guy's fucking crazy. That's basically it. He's, He's nuts. fucking yeah. nuts. That's it. Wild, wild <laughs> shit, man. Wild. Yeah. Has Billy told you what happened next? Billy only tells me nice things, Mr. Doctor. Like that I'm pretty. Princess, was Simon there that night? Simon? I don't know any Simon. Uh, so you asked earlier, is the place still open? Yes. Yes and no. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it was a, it was a build, they, they built this in 1890, I believe, and it stayed as a hospital until about 1991, and that's when it shut down. Hmm. Eventually, that's when it finally shut down. It had yeah. opened, closed, open, closed, open, closed. Um, there was a thing at the time where they said that uh, a lot of building, a lot of offices were closed on Fridays during that summer. It was a summer Friday thing. Yeah, it was just a thing. So doctors' offices, things like that, every they closed on Fridays. Um, when this place closed, it was overnight. So everybody went home Thursday night, and it just didn't reopen Monday. So one thing that they said when they got there, they found offices in there where it was like people were planning on like just like like we all went through this with the pandemic. Everybody left their offices on Wednesday or Thursday and then you came back six months later and your shit was in the same exact spot it was in. And they said they found a lot of things like that that had been there for 10 years untouched. Like somebody was coming back to finish their work on Monday. Creepy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pencils just sitting in the yeah. middle of desks and people's coffee cups and stuff. Cigarette ash, like, but you know, they're yeah. like, these things were just there. Like people had, you know, um, so, uh, uh, um, in, I, I'm going to say maybe in the last eight or nine years or so, it's been reopened, but it's not a hospital anymore. It is now luxury condos. The main building, the front, which is the bat head, is still there. The bat wings have been demolished and torn down. Bummer. But the, <laughs> yes, the main the main building is still there, and they've built extra buildings outside. The gymnasium, the gymnasium and theater where Mike is killed, yeah. that was a separate building. Uh, that building's gone now, and it's um, it's a pool area actually. Yeah, wow. it's like it's the outdoor pool area. Wow, they yeah, kind of re- renovated yes. that whole place. It probably yeah. is so fancy looking now. Oh, it is. It's you wouldn't full even on. No, probably. You can even tell. Well, you can because the building is still there. The facade is still the same. It's different oh. color, but the front of the building is recognizable. It's you know you see the painting, but you look at the shape. The shape is the same. Isn't Danvers right outside yes. of Salem? Uh, yes, yes. It's yeah. well, Boston. It's Boston. outside Boston. Gonna have to make yeah. a trip out there. I want to see this building yeah. in person. Man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, the graveyard is real. Mm. That shot of, of Gordon sitting there when he's leaning yeah. on the tree and you, they pan over to the graveyard, it is real. I don't know if that specific location of the graveyard is real, but the headstones do look like th- did look like that and is there. Uh, there was a preservation 
society that went in and um when they bought when the when the place was turned into condos that thing is actually far enough away from the hotel that you can't actually the from the apartments that you couldn't kind of see it and it was all overgrown with grass and the people who bought the land did nothing with it and they just left it Oh, they abandoned it. Wow. Yeah. So these people came, oh, these preservers came and um, 700 patients were buried there. Seven to 800 people were buried in this graveyard and they all have those little looking markers. Uh, And they are just numbers, as you see in the movie. They say it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they are just numbers. Uh, Those are all because they're all patients that had that when the place shut down, they had no family or any over the years when they shut down of all the hundred years the place was open, uh, that they had no family or anybody to claim them when they died. So they were buried in and given the, just that marker with numbers, um, a, uh, preservationist came in, they found them inside, they cleared the grass out, they went through, and then they went through all the records and they matched the numbers to the people and they gave them actual, they actually had real grave markers made. Oh, so their names so are they, on them now. Yeah. So yeah, those, okay. well, the the um, the stand up tombstones are gone. Okay. And now there's just little flat markers in the ground. Yeah, like the square you know? ones. Yeah, you. I've yeah, seen like a more that's big, large, ground. like kind of a, for soldiers yes. and things like that. They do that exactly. Sometimes. Yeah. Now there's that, and it has it. It has the, they most of the people the people they could figure it out, and now they have, and there's a um, like a memorial with all their names on these big plaques. That are out oh, wow. there. So, so it looks so if you do see, sure. yes, it, yeah, yeah, it does look completely different, and it looks pretty now. Okay, you know, <laughs> so like it looks like respectful. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, funny. So, but something interesting, which is funny, because I thought about the changeling when we did this, and we talked about the changeling and the people buried and all that, and how yeah. sometimes you still find bodies and you still find this and stuff. Those, those, pen, those, uh, uh, those. What do they call them? Um, Shit, the, the word is it? the memorial, the headstones, the headstones. Yeah, 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 those weirdly shaped headstones, they're still there. Oh, wow, there, there is literally a pile of them, they're oh, just wow. stacked on yeah. the side, like at the edge of the forest. Oh, interesting. and they're they're stone with with like with like iron with like a piece of iron inside to keep the to keep the shape of it, you know. Yeah, um, and there's like they're all just kind of stacked up like a like a pile of bricks. That probably sounds. That probably looks fucking creepy too. If you it's saw it weird. In well, you really yeah. can't tell what they are because they just oh, look like a pile. It looks like a pile of bricks. Stacked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know. Interesting. Uh, but yes, but that's what they are. They're they're still there, and it made me reminded me of the changeling. Like, even when some big company comes in yeah. and buys the fucking thing, they still don't have any plan for the dead people who were buried there. It's <laughs> the least of like, their worries. They're like whatever. You know, really, regardless, there's no plan for the for the unclean. They haven't dead. watched all these movies. They're fucking up. It's funny yeah. you mentioned the changeling because there's a shot in this, and I feel like it's just the standard oh, haunted oh, house shot. Oh, yes. There's a shot of the of the building with fog. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. okay, yep. gotta. <laughs> even and though you find out this isn't a haunted house, there is no yeah. haunting. The fog. And There's the wheelchair. A fog. And the wheelchair, yes. And the wheelchair, the super wheelchair. Which you, um, which which I'm assuming was Mary's. They never really No, it's just say, a, it's that just is a Mary's symbol. room though. Yeah, that so is it's, that coincidentally. It's yeah, coincidentally, the way the hotel the way it's actually set up, that light coming through the door that lights up, that actually is the room that they made that they turned into Mary's, Mary's room. room. 
Yeah, that that wheelchair just so happened to be sitting right there, and mm-hmm. that's kind of because it's the symbol of the movie. Like whenever mm-hmm. you see this movie, the cover, you yes. always see that chair, and the yeah. chair never springs to life. It doesn't attack anyone, like in the Changeling, like that wheelchair. <laughs> this mm-hmm. one is just there. Yeah. Um, but I do like how how it's funny because this movie has that. I feel like all good haunted house movies have a symbol. And that's yep. the and it's the, se- that's it. That <laughs> wheelchair. Nines is that chair. So the uh, wheelchair and the the two else? of them. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. The 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 real real to real. Real to real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should go into the into what versions we watched. I'll yeah, start okay. because mine. You already. We both hinted at what versions yeah. we watched, but let's run through the versions. I the versions we watched. Yours obviously is way better than mine, and that's kind of well. The depressing part of, I of this. I have your, again, I have that same copy. <laughs> so, yes, I watched the 2001 uh, DVD that I believe the, I bought. I'm pretty sure it's the French-Canadian release. Yeah, because yeah. I do see French-Canadian. It's I see English and then French mm-hmm. on the opposite side here. Uh, I don't have the case because of the story I told at the front. At the front, at the beginning, I mean, of the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, this... All that's on this is uh, there's deleted scenes, which one of them is the the homeless lady that's living in there. There's mm-hmm. the alternate ending. My disc, something's wrong with it. I, I discovered that while, while watching <laughs> it. Some of the special features were skipping and fucked up. Thing. That's what inspired me to buy a new copy of this you movie. You bought the Scream Factory version. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Which that's is coming. not as cool as yours. Um, but there's also this uh, story to screen. Which mm-hmm. I believe is a documentary about yes. what you uh, talked about, and I did it, watch that. It, I it couldn't has, watch it, unfortunately. No. <laughs> yeah, that that is an old one. It's literally some of the storyboards next to the scenes, and you yeah. know, and how they shot it. Yeah, um, and then there's a commentary with Brad Anderson, and I believe the writer as well, the guy that plays uh, Mike. I think two commentaries, yeah. one with Brad and Steven. Yeah, yeah or then, or together they might be. Oh, together. you have the original. Yes, yes, yes it's I the two of them. It's yeah, it's Brad and Steven together. Then there's a featurette called the Haunted Palace, which I did watch, which is just a standard kind of featurette mm-hmm. about the movie, the making of the movie, floating head interviews, yep. trailers, stills, mm-hmm. trailers for other movies. I think are on this standard stuff you'd find in a 2001. DVD. Dang. The movie does not look great. It looked great in 2001 on this DVD, but no longer looks great because of the version Manny has. And I'll let yeah. you continue here, sir. <laughs> so. Uh, so this is the second sight release. It is a box set. A very beautiful is, box. Yes. <laughs> it is Region B. It is an Australia. Second sight is an Australian, right? Australian company. Um, they do incredible releases. So that's the that, that comes it comes with the book that I showed you earlier with essays and, and um some production photos and stuff, you know. Uh, it also comes with lobby cards, which is awesome. Comes with five so or cool, six man. lobby cards. Yeah. So you got upside down. You got Mike there. You got, yeah. oh, yeah, that's a good shot right there. Yeah, with the mask. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fucking and, cool, man. Why didn't and, we get this release in the U.S.? What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, because, I, you know, I don't know. I, I do so not know. So weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe so it was a this, bigger hit in Australia. Who knows? No, no. Well, Second Sight, Second Sight does this. This is They're like mm. Vinegar Syndrome and yeah, Arrow. Yeah. They do... Big special releases, but you have to have um, a region free player to play this version. Yes, right? this you is region B. It is yeah. region B. It is also two disc. Very nice. It is a two disc set. Um, the second disc 
pretty much everything on the second disc is new except for Twisted Collage, which I believe is on the Scream Factory release. Yeah. Twisted Collage is about 20 minutes and it's um it's written by the, the uh, uh, it's by the woman who does that essay that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So she's on that. So you'll probably be able to see that. Um, on this, there's also the Return to Danvers is the one which I believe is on that one as well yes. that you have. Well, yes, no, so I, I don't think that's on this one. No. Okay, this so that's one, on the Screen Factory then. Yeah, at the Screen Factory. Because it is older. I know that one. Yeah, this yeah. one has I, – I don't think it. Ha- I don't think that's on this disc because it's – Story to screen and then the haunted palace. I think is yeah all... haunted palace. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the uh, the other ones on this release. That's all new mm. stuff, like supplemental stuff for yeah. that special. Release. Well, Return to Danvers is on Scream Factory for yeah. sure because I saw the Scream Factory logo. I on have it. not seen that one yet for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah. So you'll see that when you get <laughs> yes, it. Yes, when uh, I get it. Horrors Hollowed Grounds um, is is Sean. Um, I can't remember his last name. The yeah. guy he goes to the locations yeah, I and think everything. I, I, I think that. I, that might be on the Scream Factory release as well, because I think he usually does that for Scream Factory. So you'll probably see that, and you'll see everything. And he shows that's the, the new dude hotel. that goes to like horror locations. Yes, yeah, right? horror, like, yeah. Horror, not horror locations, but horror film locations. Mm-hmm. He yeah, goes the, to where the they black shot hair, the, the guy with the short black yeah, hair. Yeah, I forget yeah. that guy's name too. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> some I can't something, remember his last yeah, name. Sean yeah. something. It's usually him or Mike Gingold that do these things. Sometimes yeah, they do it together. Yeah. Uh, usually Mike, but Mike Gingold tends to do it with Ted Gogan. Okay. Uh, the director, we are still here. Yeah, we we talked about it when yes. I think they had one for the, the changeling. changeling. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. So these are the two teams that do this. Uh, so what's really cool about that is, which again, I'm pretty sure it's on the Screen Factory, is that you'll see it. Sean actually went to the hospital in 2004 just for the hell of it. Oh, okay. And he recorded a whole bunch of stuff. So he actually has footage from. He was like, you know, before he did a TV show, before he did this at all, he just went with some friends and they broke into yeah. the place they snuck into the hospital and wandered around and found, and he found all the locations that they shot in that's really cool so, yeah so he's hosting it from outside the new condo building but you he he narrates the old footage so you'll probably get to see all that that's really cool stuff yeah, that's, that's awesome. really really awesome i'm look, I, I um, love shit like that so i'm always yeah. open to like i just like watching stuff that shows oh. where they shot movies and, and oh, yeah, even i like really going cool. even i like going to like places where like you know some of your favorite films have been shot it's always fucking cool oh yeah it's kind of surreal really... sometimes it's surreal when you're there it's like wow it is. i'm behind the michael myers <laughs> hedge like it's fucking weird dude like that's just how they it... just announced uh jacob's ladder oh that's and cool. the day before i happened to be with mike gingold at the thrust premiere yeah and he showed me a couple of photos oh, of nice. them doing the location for for Jacob's ladder. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, he showed me a couple of it. He was like, don't say anything. But then the next day they announced it. I was like, okay, I can talk about it now. <laughs> I already knew. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the very next day they announced it. He showed me, he took, he took a picture of himself on the stairs, like the poster. Oh, cool, And he cool. showed me that and he posed just like that. He showed me a couple. That was really cool. Awesome. Um, so separately on this, you have a bunch. So on that second disc is a bunch of doc, a bunch of uh, interviews. There's a 36 minute interview called The Dark Side with the director. Uh, the 24 minutes with uh, Stephen, uh, um, I always remember, Stephen Givaden, Givaden, the Mike. Yeah. 24 minute interview with him. 23 minute interview with the production designer, which is really cool because she tells you how they did all of that. That's start, awesome. Yeah, all the uh, uh, building, building the morgue, and uh, uh, the graffiti, the pictures on the walls. Some of that was there, a lot of it wasn't, and they had to. Something else I realized watching that is I recognize some of the photos on that they used on the walls. 
I actually recognized them from Wisconsin Death Trip. The Static X album? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, the book. You, Isn't the it a book? book. Yeah, the okay. Book. Wisconsin right. Death Trip is a book uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> filled with newspaper articles and photos. Back in the 1800s, it was a town yeah. that went crazy due to uh, having – I think they were Polish immigrants that bought yeah. this land. Yeah. and. And some, and they were screwed over on the land. The land was already done. The land was dead. So they got like one harvest season out of it. And basically over the next three or four years, the entire town either starved to death or killed each other. God damn. Yes, they went nuts because it was also like three really harsh winters in a row. So uh, just like it happened – it actually still happens in like Alaska and, and Colorado and shit right now where things – Winter hits so bad, power goes out for like weeks at a time, and the next thing you know, when everything starts to melt, there's literal dead bodies in the snow. People who just starve to death over the winter because everything becomes so secluded. So that's kind of what happened, and that's what Wisconsin Death Trip is. It's a book of all the photos because the only record that it happened was the local newspapers and them printing the death notices. And this guy killed his wife, and this one went nuts over here, and this one ate his horse, and you know these children were <laughs> children were found. He ate his horse. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, shit, yeah, dude. It's an, and there was actually a doc, there's actually a documentary crazy. on it too, which is amazing. Yeah. If you've ever seen, doc, it is one of the most depressing but oh, incredibly interesting documentaries. It would have been cool um, if it was from the co- it was the cover of Wisconsin Death Trip by Static. Yeah, but that's where it comes. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. It's a book. That's why it's <laughs> yes. called Wisconsin Death. But I, just I do it was have funny. the book, and that's why I recognize the photos never, on the walls. I've yeah. never read the I, book, so every time I hear the name, I think of Static X. Uh, Oh, it's hard to find. You yeah, don't I need to it. grab it. No, no it's fine. I got it. But it's a actually a pretty large book. Like it's a wide, mm-hmm. wide yeah. book. So it's all newspaper clippings and everything uh, and explains and puts all the everything in timeline over the course of like four years. So I recognize a lot of the pictures from that because they're news article photos. So they're yeah. public domain. I've never read it. So that's why I didn't yeah. recognize any of them. Yeah. So uh, then there's another 26 minute interview with the composers. Uh, Climax Golden Twins is their name. Mm. Yeah, there are a couple of yeah, whatever experimental kind of uh, yeah. weird, and then there is an hour-long interview with the producer and the DP. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's like there's like three hours worth of, of that's brand awesome, new dude. stuff. Yeah, it's why didn't they port amazing. all that shit over to the Screen Factory release? Well, Fuck. this is well, this well, the Screen Factory came, the Screen Factory release was uh, twenty fifteen or so. Yeah, I think so, so this is all new stuff that Second yeah. Sight produced. Yeah, you know? yeah, that sucks, man. Hopefully, well, maybe one yeah. day they'll release it here. Who knows? Maybe they'll do yeah, maybe, ultimate maybe. edition of session that nine. Be, that would be really cool. You know, <laughs> that's so definitely we, that's that's the version to pick up if you're a big fan of session nine. Get 100%. the version Manny has because yes, yes, get yourself. Uh, everything there's a else second, is a little lackluster. I feel there's a second commentary track too. I'm guessing it's a new commentary track, yes, probably. Yes, yes. On the back, and read right? it. New, okay. new audio commentary, new interview, new interview. Yeah, I went down all this, all this compass, and then the book, and uh, it's this is. Oh man, when it's they fantastic, when they man. announced this, dude, <laughs> when they announced this, I pre-ordered it immediately. I said, I got it. I have. I to know have you this. dropped some cabbage on that on that release. Um, I'm. I think this is. I'm gonna say forty-five, fifty. Oh, not bad. Not bad. Not te- no, it's really not it. bad. It's worth you know, it. and yeah, it, I think it was totally. You know, forty five fifty approximately. You know, I think shipping was maybe another ten or fifteen bucks. You're getting so. a lot of shit. You're getting a little booklet, the the lobby card, so it's worth mm-hmm. it. It's not. It's like a lot of physical and stuff. Awesome, and, awesome, yeah. like stand up like, box. Yeah, and man. The, 
looks it's like a little uh, VHS tape almost. Yeah, you know, it's, snap it's about case. the size uh, of it. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome. So, uh, what's the uh, the closing thoughts? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll start and 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 just and I'll let you end it because I know this is one of your favorite movies of fucking mm-hmm. all time. So, right, this has got to be. If you had to rate it, where would you put this in your top? Films? It's in my. I'd say it's probably in my top twenty. Uh, yeah, I, it's probably I think in my so. top twenty. You yeah, know, yeah. I, uh, but it's like you said earlier, it's one of those movies you kind of forget how much you love it yeah, for so you some watch it reason. Again. I do like when I make my, when I make my list of things, for some reason it doesn't top that list. But when this, when they announced this, I'm like, I need to have it. I didn't hesitate. That's weird, man. <laughs> and that's really all I could. And that's all I could say about the movie. Like to kind of close it out is like, if you've never, and, and we obviously spoiled the shit out of the movie yes. at this point, <laughs> but even if that, you know, spoilers don't bother some people. They just like to mm-hmm. listen to people talk about horror movies. Uh, if you've never seen this, watch it. Find a way to watch it. If you don't want to yeah. buy one of these physical releases, you can rent it on YouTube or Amazon. It's very easy to yeah, find. For I think like that's $3. really all it is. I'm looking on Letterboxd right now. It says Amazon and YouTube. That's it. It's not on Tubi. It's yeah. not on Pluto. Next time, or it's um, weird. Next time a family member or, or a friend wants a recommendation for a horror film, I'm going to make sure I, I, I take note. And I recommend Session Nine. I'm just going to watch this used to be. Session Nine. Like that's what, like that. It needs more love. It needs. I feel like it needs. It needs to be appreciated more. You know, we always hear about. I feel like the Conjuring movies, and I love the yeah. Conjuring movies. You see the but, Nun, and you see all these characters, yeah. and I feel like that movie gets a lot of love. But why doesn't a movie like Session Nine, that even though it's technically not supernatural? Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 kind of the more traditional sense, it's still you wouldn't know that if you don't yeah. know the ending. You'd think this yeah. is a fucking creepy ass haunted house movie, even though it's a hospital. But kind of is still. Yeah, it's listen. <laughs> I'm just glad we covered it. Given, yes, you know, just if someone googles it, it, maybe they'll come across this episode or something, and just it is totally show one more of love. those movies for me though. Is yeah. what you said. It's one of those. Oh, you know what? I got it. Somebody's never seen it. I have to. This was one of those. I, I don't know. Did I show this to you? I know you I, showed might it to, have. I showed it to Lynn. Yeah. I I introduced Joe to this. I introduced Ruben to this. I introduced Emily to this. I remember. See, First I remember time you, Emily ever came by my place, I put this you put on this on. You yeah. might have. I might have watched this with you. I don't awesome. really remember, but, and I have a pretty decent memory yeah, back I then. I don't know. But I might. We I know you always talk. You yeah. We, we watch a lot of stuff. We. I remember you always talking about it. So there's a mm-hmm. chance we might. There, there's awesome. a chance that one of the times I watched it was with you. So. Yeah, because I I got this the same day. I'm pretty sure I got this the same day as Ginger Snaps, at mm. Kim's Underground, and they were both the Canadian releases. I'd yeah. never heard of either one of them. I was like, oh, look at this. A werewolf, girls, werewolf movie. And this is session nine. This seems interesting. A yeah. haunted hotel, a haunted, haunted hotel. We keep calling yeah, it a hotel. hotel. <laughs> you know, shining on the brain. You know, right like, that's oh, a cool looking yeah. thing. It looks like the changeling with a, you know, yeah. haunted, uh, uh, haunted mental hospital. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a great movie. It needs more love, and, and that's really all all I can say about it. More people need to get their, you know, yeah. get more eyes on it because it's just mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think my final thoughts is I forget. It's not even about the movie. I hope that the people listening to this love that we covered this because I even checked. Um, I went into Podcast Addict and I just searched Session Nine, and I only found two other podcasts that have covered it. 
Yeah, because everyone's talking about fucking Friday the 13th they're, for the hundred. They're talking time. about the fucking Conjuring. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I just find I found like there was nobody who covered session. I was like, are you kidding me? So yeah. I'm like, I'm I'm hoping that I'm hoping that the people see like they're like happy that's we that we covered this. Yeah, you know, oh. and especially like you said, this is being being an international release. Not not everybody has a an all an all region player. So you know what? There's everything you're missing. By not having this, and it's like, oh <laughs> fuck, maybe I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> that's the you one know? thing to take no, away yeah. from this episode. Yeah, right? that's why I want. I wanted to be really comprehensive with with what's in the features, simply because I because it's a foreign release because it's yet. a non U.S. release, so not many people are gonna be able to get their hands on it. In fact, I don't even know this might even be sold out for all I know. There you go, it out might. of print probably at yeah, this it's, point. It's possible. But yeah, just uh, that's the one thing you could take away from this episode. Go watch fucking session nine right now i want to come home i am so sorry so that was session nine be sure to subscribe follow us on instagram twitter tiktok at haunted hangover check out our patreon page patreon.com slash haunted hangover 31 and make sure to follow us, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcasting app you're listening to this on. And as always, remember, the best cure for a hangover is... More booze. Catch you guys later. Later.